Before we get to the show, we have a request. The media, as you knew it, is dead. Fox is dead. So don't turn it on and listen to it in the afternoon and during the evening hours till you go to bed, as most people used to do in the living room. Support free media. There's not many channels out there. There's the Epic Times, Gateway Pundit, a few others. But there's CDM. We are a growing global media conglomerate. We have websites and reporters all over the world, 12 at last count. The Colorado Free Press is coming on next week, and we're opening another paper in Montana after that. So the cavalry is coming, but we need your support. We have a no-ad subscription. It's 10 bucks a month. You don't see any ads. We know people don't like ads on their phones. They don't like pop-ups. Well, you can do something about it. So when you're sitting around the fire when you're older and your grandchild asks you, what did you do during the Great People's War, Papa? You can tell them, I helped CD Media and I helped Free Media save the Republic. So go to our channels, go to cdm.press, go to the Georgia Record, go to wherever you can find CD Media. We have a lot of websites and simply sign up for our no ad subscription. It's 10 bucks a month. It's not a lot. There's a discount for an annual subscription. So help us out, support free media, and do something. You know, there was 3% that did something during the American Revolution. Be the 3%. Help CD Media get our no-ad subscriptions. Thank you. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is our converse, our global conversation show, uh, Globalists in Plain Sight. And this is a continuation of last week's show. And we have with us uh, Tom Anderson and Tom Remfer, who's a retired colonel, uh, f- uh, graduated from the U.S. Air Force Academy. Tom Anderson was a government contractor. Both uh, Tom Anderson flew for United Airlines. He's one of the plaintiffs in the case. Uh, Tom Remfer was fighting the good fight uh, during the 1990s when the U.S. government wanted to make the anthrax shots, the, va- the anthrax vaccinations for all of the military after Gulf One. And during Gulf One, the anthrax vaccinations were given to people who were in the theater at the time. And then later in that decade, they wanted to make them um, mandatory for everybody in the military. There were hearings up on Capitol Hill. Tom Remford participated in those. They almost um, got the U.S. government to back off. Then 9-11 happened. Then we had anthrax letters. And then that program moved forward. And then they were stopped. So Tom Remford has a lot of history about how this started. And Tom, you want to go back over 100 years to 1902 or 1905. So bring us forward so people understand how this has evolved for vaccination standards and practices and how now during the COVID era it has been blown out. Thanks, Christine. Yeah, um, the history is very important. Um, uh, I'll start with the, uh, the caveat or the disclaimer that my views don't represent uh, that of the Department of Defense, the United States Air Force, or its components at this time. Uh, the history will show that uh, folks like these United um, Airlines employees 
um, actually are expressing the very opinion of the United States government before the United States government forgot what the formal legal position was and regulatory history was for biologic products. So a vaccine is a biologic product. And early on, the drug history began in approximately 1902 with the first drug act. Um, the first Supreme Court ruling that related to uh, uh, vaccines or even potentially vaccine mandates was in 1905 with the Jacobson versus uh, Massachusetts case. And the only penalty uh, in that case was a, a, a small uh, $5 fine. So uh, nowhere did anybody contemplate somebody could lose their job for a vaccine mandate over what was an established smallpox vaccine at that time. But prior to a hundred years of subsequent regulatory authority and uh, law uh, that basically made sure that vaccines were supposed to be uh, safe and effective. That regulatory uh, law uh, began effectively in, in 1906 um, with the first drug act. Uh, in 1938, uh, the Federal Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act uh, began uh, that really related to food and drugs, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, food and cosmetics versus drugs. Uh, later on with the uh, Harris-Kofavar amendments um, in 1972, they not only established safety requirements, proven safety requirements, but they also required efficacy requirements. And the uh, bottom line was, is that the drugs previously regulated under the National Institute of Health had to be re-established uh, by the um, Food and Drug Administration when they were transferred from the NIH. Um, over the years, uh, they made sure that drugs were proven safe and effective, approved safe and effective. And then uh, this interesting uh, intersection point with the anthrax vaccine program and the anthrax vaccine being declared illegal found a point where they decided to uh, make a new category of drugs called emergency use authorized drugs. But with the anthrax vaccine precedent where the uh, mandatory program had been found illegal by the federal courts, uh, they made very clear that any emergency use authorized drug would have no penalty, no loss of entitlements, no loss of benefits, no job loss. So that's the precedent, uh, the precedent is on the side of these um, uh, United Airlines uh, employees. The president said nobody can lose their job. The law said that there was supposed to be an option to accept or refuse in that Title 21 emergency use authorization. For what, year was that, what year was that, Tom? That was 2005 that the PREP Act introduced the emergency use authorizations in response to two years earlier when the anthrax vaccine program was found illegal because the drug product was not approved by the Food and Drug Administration. So they basically came up with a new standard for drug. They still wanted to give anthrax vaccine to the troops, but they agreed that there would be no punishment, no job loss. And so this new standard for drugs where drugs were considered reasonably safe versus proven safe is really important because uh, pre the previous preamble for the uh, Food and Drug Administration was uh, that they, they did not understate uh, the importance to the American people of safe and effective drugs. Interestingly, that preamble can, can literally not even be found on the Food and Drug Administration website uh, anymore, where they are transitioning to a new standard of reasonably safe drugs versus 
proven safe drugs. And, and that's the only point I'm trying to make with the regulatory history is you've got a hundred years of various disasters from thalidomide uh, to um, the swine um, flu vaccine, where they're trying to make sure that drugs are proven safe, not reasonably safe. And I think what we, what we have found is that these exceedances by the government where they've tried to not only uh, dilute the, the previous standards for vaccines, um, but they've also uh, gone ahead and uh, tried to make them mandatory. Now, it's interesting that it, when the emergency use authorizations were first um, uh, envisioned, they made sure that uh, people were supposed to know, know that they were emergency use authorized products. But I think if you look at the mandates, very few people knew that they were taking emergency use authorized products. The law says that people are supposed to be made aware of the known risks. People weren't told about the known risks of the vaccine. They were told that uh, they were supposed to be told uh, to what extent the benefits were unknown. People weren't told that the benefits were unknown. They were told in absolute terms that the vaccines were safe and effective, which isn't even true because they were only considered reasonably safe and effective and they were considered unapproved investigational drug products. But the American people weren't told that. And they were also supposed to be told about alternatives. And, and if I were a betting man, uh, these United employees, probably almost 100% of them, none of those requirements of the law were told to anybody. And instead, the government in August of 2021 uh, committed the gargantuan fraud where they made it out as though there was an FDA approval and FDA product, FDA approved products were available. But that was not the case. And a matter of fact, um, as the uh, situation developed, no FDA-approved product uh, ever made it to the U.S. marketplace. Only EUA, emergency use authorized product, was ever made available. And those emergency use products were required uh, to have um, consent. Uh, the option to accept or review the products was an integral part of the law, and nobody was told that. And the federal right. government, with their mandates, certainly violated that. All right, so I don't want to get the, the the I don't want to get the audience too confused here. You're you're saying that the the baseline of the law is which one, the Prep Act. The baseline of the law is the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, which requires vaccines to be proven safe and effective. That's 1938. That's from 1938 to 1962 with efficacy to um, uh, 1972 with the transfer of biologics over. Okay, to so but you're saying the baseline is the is the is the Cosmetic and Food Act of 1938. That's correct. Okay, yeah. so 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 the so that that act is basically saying you have to have informed consent. But then when they switched it to the Emergency Use Act in 2000, uh, what is it five with the Prep Act? I drugs mean, are still, drugs are still none none of the requirements. Well, I, uh, Tom, hold on. If I'm confused by what you said, then the audience is going to be. So I want to make certain that we get this clear. Okay, sure. you're the the standards by which you're saying that United Airlines um, violated is is what the two the 2005 Prep Act, or you're saying that in addition to the 1938 Cosmetic and Food Act. Everything, both of the above. So we know that drugs are supposed to be proven safe and effective if they are approved. Um, the COVID countermeasures 
were not approved. They were emergency use authorized. But even emergency use authorized products are supposed to be reasonably safe and effective and are supposed to also enjoy the option. Okay, let me let me interrupt that. You said they're supposed to be reasonably safe. According to which act? According to the um, emergency use authorization law under Title 21 uh, and the PREP Act. Okay, so that so so that it changed. I mean, they made an emergency use act in two thousand five, but did they change the standards at that point in time? So, Christine, that that is my point. The standards have not changed. Approved products are supposed to be proven safe and effective. Then they created a new law that created an off ramp from the normal approved products, and they said now we can have unapproved products made available to American citizens. Those are only required to be reasonably safe and effective, but those products still enjoy the option to accept or refuse. So not only did they ignore the original requirements for approved products, because they never ended up existing with the um, marketed COVID vaccines, but they also ignored the option to accept or refuse for the EUA products. They violated every aspect of the law, both the historical context for FDA approved products and the, uh, the new uh, um, diluted form of the law for emergency use authorized products. Okay, so, so you're basically saying they changed the rules, which changed the standards. They didn't communicate it. They acted as if it was still under the 1938 Safety and efficacy works. These are safe, safe for you know, and, and uh, for everybody, which they weren't, and they were actually marketing under the 1938 standards verbally. Yeah, I and think not you- and not 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 marketing this and pushing it uh, as an emergency use. But I heard emergency use all the time in 2021. You also heard safe and effective, and absolutely. And Right. And safe and effective was listed on the CDC website and was um, promoted by everyone as though the the products were approved. But the approved product was never made available to anyone. So, again, I I don't want to make this too complicated because it's really not. Um, The government has made it very confusing and they've implied that an approved product was available under the original standards. Um, And then they've provided a product under the diluted standards, which still enjoyed the requirement for consent, the option to accept or refuse. But they ended up going one step further and they actually mandated the emergency use authorized product, which also is not allowed under the law. And so back to my original point, uh, Tom and his fellow plaintiffs are simply reminding the government what the laws are on the books. Uh, even though the laws have been diluted, even the diluted laws requ- require that all of these employees were given their consent and had the option to accept or refuse and the other requirements that I mentioned about risks and alternatives and uh, the unknown nature of the benefits. Um, so, you know, bottom line is, is they've adulterated the law, tried to confuse the American people. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it takes cases like these United Air employees in order to try to set the record straight and go back to the 100 years of regulatory uh, vaccine product um, law that was put in place to protect American citizens rather than allowing the government to adulterate those laws. 
Okay, so t Tom Anderson, let, let's bring you in on the conversation here. So let's talk about briefly like what happened at United starting in 2020 and going into or spring 2021 and then the late summer of 2021. Sure. Thanks, Christine, for having uh, having me on. And uh, thanks, Colonel for for the uh, expertise, uh, because it is very confusing. And, uh, and we'll dive a little bit more into it uh, as we go on here. But so back in 2020, uh, we were still flying. I was still flying back through pretty much the whole pandemic, except for the months of somewhere around May to July, because no one was flying. Uh, you know, talking the, about 2020 now, Tom. 2020, yeah, with the lockdowns and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so at that point, uh, the government, you know, he was throwing a whole bunch of money at uh, big corporations, especially uh, airlines, to keep them afloat as, as somewhat of an implicit guarantee to stay in business. Because going from the amount of people they were flying in 2019 to flying no one in 2020, they were losing money left and right. Uh, so the CARES Act, and I won't go into that, but uh, it's it was uh, uh, between um, grants and loans and uh, even with United, specifically uh, stock um, options uh, for uh, actually buying common stock in, in United, um, which technically gave them a seat at the table uh, uh, on the board, right? Uh, so we can... We can go into that a little bit later. I think you and uh, Tom and uh, Jim went into that before uh, last week. Mm -hmm. We just lost. We, let's, we just lost the colonel, but I'll watch for him coming back. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Um, anyway, so uh, like uh, Tom Renfro was saying, so the EUAs happened at the end of 2020. Okay. So the emergency use authorization for the three shots: Pfizer, Moderna, and J and J. Mm -hmm. uh, happened at the end of 2020. Uh, Pfizer Moderna was uh, the, in December. J&J &J was in January of 2021. So uh, in that general time frame. Mm -hmm. And through that whole time, United was was basically saying there's the, the only way out of this, like everybody else in the media, is going to be this this vaccine, this so-called vaccine. Nobody knew anything about it. Well, th that was it was the only thing that was there. I mean, you know, vaccine or nothing. Right, right. When all these uh, doctors like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Pierre Corey, uh, and and those that were standing up against what the media was putting out there, were saying that there there are alternatives. And I don't know if Tom Remfer um, mentioned this, but. In the emergency use authorization under 21 U.S. Code, if alternatives are available, then you cannot authorize uh, that type of product. Well, you can't, you can't invoke the Emergency Use Act if you have alternatives. That's, that, that's sort of the bottom line of the Emergency Use Act, which makes Correct. sense now when we all look at hindsight, why they not only dissuaded people from using ivermectin, misnamed it and said that, you know, and denied the fact that it was created and then given a Nobel Peace Prize to the guy who invented it for, you know, for parasites, for river blindness across yep. Africa. And yes, it's used for parasites in horses, but it doesn't mean that everybody that was taking ivermectin was taking horse, you know, ivermectin the way that CNN was suggesting that was happening. 
But yes, it was the, it the one the the point that if there was an alternative, the Emergency Use Act could not have been turned on. Right. Right. So that's you know when we look back at history now, we understand why hydroxychloroquine was difficult to get for people. Why you know ivermectin was physically taken off the market and put into some stockpile someplace here in the United States, so that was making it difficult to get a hold of. Yes, yeah. uh, and and then all through 2021. So that was January 2021 when the last EUA was authorized, mm -hmm. uh, and that was J and J. So all through 2021, from the beginning all the way up to the, about the summertime management at, at United was just coercively trying to get all of the employees at United to, to understand that there is no other way through this pandemic except for this new emergency use authorized product. Right. And so they were, they were, they were towing the narrative that the media was spewing of it's safe and effective. They had uh, their own internal doctors from, from uh, different uh, places come in and say, uh, you know, give seminars to the, the employees saying this is safe and effective. Don't worry about it. This is the way, you know, through this. Um, and it was just coercion to get jabbed. It was the, and then they started the hostile work environment uh, for those who stood up and, and started to say during that time frame, like, no, we're, I, I don't think this is a good idea. Uh, and looking and st and basically said we're not going to take this this uh, uh, product. And at the in the summer of 2021 is when I started hearing at first that management was considering a vaccine mandate. And uh, also that I mean, as I was uh, as I was hearing this coming down from management, I was talking to the union. Uh, reps uh, in my base, and I was I was talking to uh, Aeromedical. Uh, I was talking to uh, my chief pilot. I'm saying, why is this? Why is this happening? What what is going on here? And I could get no answers. Um, I could uh, there there was nothing but this is the only way. This is the only way. Um, so around July, that's when uh, the DOJ comes out with this memo from the acting attorney general. Um, uh, and uh, Tom Renfrew can go into it a little bit later if he comes back. We're trying to get we're trying to get him back now. But but this, so this DOJ J memo, which most people mm -hmm. don't know about, this DOJ memo was yeah. was um, you guys didn't find this until recently, right? No. Correct. Yeah. It it's uh it's it's pretty hidden, and it was the it really is an opinion piece of the acting assistant attorney general um, mm -hmm. of the DOJ. And it, it basically, and, and uh, welcome back, Tom. Um, yeah, hi, Tom. I can, I can jump in and, and talk sure. about Sure, why don't we do that? Because we're at yeah. that point where you, you, yeah. you're more knowledgeable about the DOJ memo. Who, who wrote it? When did it come out? When did you find it? And how did you find it? Yeah, the Department of Justice memo, um, we realized it was there uh, from before the mandates. Um, the Department of Justice um, posted it um, online. It's still online. And uh, the memo essentially answers the question for the administration as to whether or not mandates are acceptable with emergency use authorized products. And it goes so when through was a, it, When was this posted? Give, give the audience some context here. 
So I think the, the date would be July of 2021. And so approximately a month prior to the mandates, uh, they floated a, a legal opinion uh, which made it look like there was propriety to the mandates that EUA products could be mandated. And they established a new, never before invented concept called secondary consequences. So it is uh, relevant that the Title 21 law for EUAs does include the word consequences, but the context of consequences comes from the Human Protection and Informed Consent Code of Federal Regulations under 21 CFR 50.25. And so uh, in uh, that human protection regulation, it specifically says there can be consequences that are of medical in nature if you happen to not take an, an investigational or an unimproved um, drug product. Um, the 2005 anthrax vaccine uh, uh, precedent where it said that there would be no penalty, no job loss, also included this same language. Consequences were only medical in nature. But what the Department of Justice did is they ignored the, um, uh, the Code of Federal Regulations for Informed Consent and Human Protection and that consequences context under the law. And they ignored the anthrax vaccine precedent that said there could be no penalty, no job loss for refusing an emergency use authorized product. And instead they invented a whole new opinion on the law. And unfortunately everybody ran with it, took the bait and didn't question it. And we ended up with mandates being promulgated by the federal government. Those mandates obviously did not go well. We can go into that history as well. But uh, at this point, all mandates have been halted and the federal government's working overtime to get any court case that challenged the legality of the mandates dismissed based on the fact that they're essentially mooting the judiciability of those cases since the mandates are now canceled. Um, and, oh, by the way, the original uh, monovalent products have also been deauthorized. So not only did they never uh, provide the FDA-approved product in the U.S. marketplace, but they've also deauthorized the original Pfizer and Moderna monovalent products. And now all they have is emergency use authorized. They're not even pretending that they're approved, uh, the, uh, the, the boosters or the bivalent products. Nobody's even pretending they're approved anymore. Uh, and obviously the mandates are over. So um, all right, that's so I want to go, go back. I want to go back because, you know, where we are today, I want to go back to that July and put this in some historical content so people understand, because you've included this argument, Tom Anderson, have you not in your new amended complaint in your in your United case? Yes. Yeah, we have. All right. So the, so as I see it, the importance of this, OK, is for people to understand that uh, in July, they DOJ put up this memo trying to wiggle their way out of the laws and the, the uh, precedents that were set before. In August of 2021, United as a corporate entity here in the United States with offices overseas, mandated uh, the vaccination, but just for those employees who are working in the United States, uh, which is not a uniform corporate policy if it's based upon safety. And they didn't have mandated vaccinations for passengers um, that were put on the on the planes. And then in September was when the White House came out. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong about this, but the White House came out and said there were mandates for, I think it was federal employees at the time. So it looks, this is the game that we're playing. 
it looks as if everybody's going to, you know, the, you never do this kind of stuff unless you never can do corruption unless you've got lawyers in the room. And I don't mean that against every lawyer that's out there. But the truth of the matter is, you you know, sometimes there are clients that say, we want to do this. How far can we take it? And then they'll say, yes, this is not illegal, but we'll have to be worked out in the courts, especially in constitutional grounds and statutory grounds. And it, seemingly that's what the Biden administration did. They wanted to basically use up all of the shots that they had paid for and that they were going to be distributed, not just here in the United States, but overseas. And that's, and that's, and that's important for the corporate policy that was pushed on people like Tom Anderson and the rest of the 27 other plaintiffs. Do I have that right, Tom Anderson? Yes. And, and part of the uh, gargantuan fraud is the fact that when they announced that there was an FDA approved product, which didn't exist, they actually reissued the emergency use authorization uh, for the um, uh, investigational unapproved medical products, which was the only thing that existed. And they, they essentially got people to think, oh, it's FDA approved. And, 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 and none of it was true. And, and that's the problem with the mandates is nobody had ever envisioned mandates for EUA products. It's not in the law. There is no law that says that they can mandate EUA products. Uh, and even at the at the local, state, or private entity level, even though the Tenth uh, Amendment of the Constitution does reserve some rights to the states um, that aren't, aren't specifically uh, scribed by the federal government, the bottom line is there's no laws that say that that a, a corporation can mandate an experimental product on its employees. It's never existed in the past. It doesn't exist now. And that's the absurdity of what happened to these United Airlines employees and all, all right, other so, workers around the United States. All right. So let me ask you this. Tom Renfer, when you went back and looked at the law and the history and the intent of the statute at the time or the intent of um, the interpretation that DOJ did for that July 2021, did you actually do the, the, the re historical research for the intent? Yes, uh, and there is no alternative intent. The only historical research that exists out there for EUA drug products is the Department of Defense precedent that says no penalty and is the Code of Federal Regulations for Human Protection and Informed Consent that says consequences are only medical in nature. And therefore, the Department of Justice inventing a new um, you know, caveat in the law about secondary consequences has no legal basis and is in fact not only defied by the law but it's defied by precedent. Okay, so they basically blew they violated their own their own their own legal precedents. They, Correct. they violated and, and that, their, their that, own their own statutes. Yeah, and that's, that's why my, okay, my that's point here is and that's why my point here is is that the united employees and workers all around the country from firefighters to healthcare workers, doctors and nurses um you know, everybody is actually following the law when they say, no, I'm not interested in taking that product, even though you believe it's reasonably safe. Uh, the law specifically says I've got the option to accept or refuse it. Uh, precedent shows that I've got the option to accept or refuse it without penalty. So people like Tom and his co-plaintiffs actually are following the law. It's the government that is ignoring the law, trying to change the law through memos and uh, unfortunately, misinterpreted legal opinions. So, the, so the entire vaccine program, the COVID vaccine program, 
was based upon a lie uh, and they pushed it out there and they breached all the laws. I mean, that's that's the simple that that's the simple bottom line. Am I right about that from the argument, Tom Anderson, you guys are saying in your United case? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, and, and like we were saying earlier, this is all confusing. And that DOJ memo is a, a key uh, piece of this puzzle uh, that that outline that Tom Renfer outlined, because if it wasn't for that memo, then no corporations would have mandated this. It was it was as if and we well, um, you know, they would have because they wanted to get a seat. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be so cynical about this, but I mean, the, I've been doing this for too long. They wanted a seat at the table in Washington, D.C. They probably would have, especially uh, since, uh, as we uh, note in our complaint that United was a state actor, they probably mm -hmm. would have tried anyway. But this was more of an overhead cover where their law teams were probably like, well, now we have now we have cover. And let's just move forward with this. This is what the administration wants, a shot in every arm. And they tried to do it in September of, of 2021. Um, but in August, at, on August 6th, Scott Kirby came out and said, 100% of United employees will be uh, jabbed or uh, you will be terminated. And, and, they and he went on to say later and brag that, you know, he he had gotten like 98 percent of the people, the employees at United shots when, in fact, people who had applied for the religious exemptions were then put on indefinite leave. And I don't think I ever heard him say publicly, and I could be wrong about this and stand to be corrected later on. I don't think I ever heard him say as he was bragging all over the Internet and television shows that they did not require United employees who lived in foreign lands. Correct. Mm -hmm. So that that that's you know, that's a marketing that's a marketing uh, argument to be acknowledged. Um, where does where where do you guys think this goes? I mean, because I, I I have said from the very beginning, I thought that what what happened internally at United would be a classic business school case study. Um, and I still believe that the, the, the deeper that we go into this and the, the more I learn about what happened at United and their reaction to everything, because in their motion to dismiss, they have even come out uh, in their first motion to dismiss. They have come out and said that, you know, the, the, the board of directors didn't have anything to do with making these decisions, which seems kind of weird to me because this is a this is a company that um, is a large U.S. corporation. Well, I think the board of directors had a fiduciary responsibility to the operation of the company. And if 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 it really was about safety, the board would have told Kirby, shut the airline down until it is, quote unquote, safe to operate. And that never happened. Uh, and there was a reason for that is because they were following orders, whether from the government, most likely um, we're we're trying to prove that as uh, the state actor argument, um, and then all the way down to upper management, middle management, they were all following orders. But like Tom Floyd said in your, your previous uh, um, uh, interview last week, back in the 1940s, there was another group that said uh, we were just following orders. Right, right. Tom Remper, with your experience of having lived through fought for and, and gone after the US government for the anthrax, where do you think this is going to end? So my feeling is, is that 
these kinds of situations that are so clearly illegal, patently illegal, absolute violation of, of U.S. law, absolute violation of 100 years of drug product regulatory history and protections, absolutely uh, contrary to the precedents, uh, the legal precedents that are out there. This will ultimately get adjudicated appropriately. And those protections that were put in place for American citizens to ensure in accordance with the FDA preamble that they cannot understate the importance of uh, safe and effective vaccines, proven safe and effective vaccines, I think we'll get back there. I think that this delineation between this idea of an unapproved investigational medical product being allowed under emergency use authorization that is reasonably safe and uh, foisted on the American people through mandates, I think ultimately people will understand there is a separation. It's fine for the government to have a law that potentially in an emergency they can field a product, but that law says it has to be optional. They cannot mandate these products because they're experimental. Because it would bode evil and very bad precedent for some corporation out there, Corporation X, to suddenly say, we all want our uh, all of our employees to take experimental product X. And the employees say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, it doesn't make any sense. And your option to accept or refuse that is protected under the law. That's where we'll get back to. And so our experience with anthrax vaccine, it took many years, approximately five years to get the program ruled illegal. COVID vaccine mandates and COVID vaccine legalities um, are uh, moving at light speed really in comparison. You know, uh, all of the mandates have been rescinded. Uh, the Congress, in a historically unprecedented move, stopped the mandate for the military. All of the other mandates were effectively stopped by the federal courts. You mentioned federal employees, but it was also uh, large businesses that the Supreme Court shut down. It was the federal contractor mandate that the federal uh, district and appellate level courts shut down. And then ultimately, even the health care worker mandate has been shut down by the federal government. It's been rescinded. All of the mandates have been rescinded either based on court action or uh, government um, retraction. And so uh, things are moving quickly. I do believe that um, ultimately um, uh, people will be vindicated that have been harmed. That's kind of the next step in the process. As long as they've been harmed and as long as those harms and those damages are not corrected, people will still have standing in the courts to get those, um, those harms rectified. That's where the United Airlines employees are. Uh, many workers in the state of New York are, are getting back pay, reinstatements in additional uh, judicial review processes that are uh, underway. So ultimately, where this is going is the American people are going to realize that they were duped, that there's a difference between investigational unapproved emergency use authorized products and fully FDA approved products, which are known to be safe and effective. And so that's the important dividing line. And as a result, Tom and all of his fellow plaintiffs um, are hopefully going to help uh, teach the American people uh, this very important lesson. And I think the American people will digest this separation. Tom Anderson, you want to add in this, we're running out of time, but you want to add into this the importance, the significance of this case for all Americans, because it really does, as I see it, it it's a it's a lesson to be learned for any corporation in America. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, our case is unique because no other case right now is bringing forth, forth this EUA 
argument. It's so, it, it, and probably because it's so convoluted and confusing, um, but the principle is very simple. Uh, United broke the law and they, they overstepped their bounds like the Supreme Court told the administration uh, in January of 2022 when they struck down the OSHA, um, but they never, the Supreme Court never addressed the EUA itself. And mm -hmm. that's what we're doing. We're bringing that as count one, uh, argument number one, and everything else stems from there. I mean, you talked to Tom and Jim uh, last week about all the, uh, the Title VII uh, religious discrimination, the hostile work environment, everything stems from the breaking of the EUA law. And that's what we need to educate the American public about. And that's why we're doing this. And possibly United Airlines attorneys who probably gave some really bad advice. Um, but at the same time, the, the, <laughs> the in-house counsel maybe didn't cross the I's, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's to take a look at this. Tom Anderson, this is going to be a big fight. It's going to, it's going to cost a lot. I know you guys have been paying this out and, and I want the public to know that when these people applied for their religious exemptions, they were put on an unpaid leave, which means they didn't have a paid indefinite unpaid leave. And I want to emphasize that at the time that they, and not everybody who's a plaintiff received their religious exemption, but for those who did, this is, this is a message that I want to make really clear to the public. These men and women, flight crews, pilots, ground crews, were put on unpa indefinite unpaid leave, which means that they did not have a paycheck. Mm -hmm. It was so they were they were being corralled and pushed and incentivized and 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 to get these shots based upon safety, safety, safety. Per Scott Kirby, who's the CEO of United, who's also a graduate of the Air Force Academy. And at the same time, when these these employees, his employees were put on unpaid, indefinite unpaid leave, they didn't have access to their medical insurance during a global pandemic that nobody had their heads wrapped around. They did not have uh, any life insurance. They couldn't get any free rides if they needed to see a family in need. Um, and there was one particular plaintiff whose son was dying. Uh, and most importantly, they couldn't get any access to their 401ks, their money. That should be head snapping to any American. That is reminiscent of what uh, Trudeau and Freeland did in Canada when they froze the bank accounts with the trucker convoys. This means that anybody, if this case it doesn't right the wrong be in the courts, that means that we may have more corporate leaders that try to implement this kind of policy. Because I, I when I found out that it that you guys did not have access to your 401ks, I found that head snapping. And I just want to acknowledge you, Tom Anderson, because one of your plaintiffs was in a situation like that. His son was disabled. His son was dying in the hospital. He couldn't take a free flight. He didn't have a paycheck. He couldn't get access to his 401k. And God bless you. He paid for his flight to see his son, to see his son before he died. Okay. That's bringing it down to the kitchen table. Lawyers can argue about this, but this can affect anybody in any family, in any corporation, if this this wrong isn't righted. And so, Tom, how do people help you? Because you're carrying the, it's, it, your campaign is the wings of liberty and justice. Yeah. So if you go to uh, find you and help you. Sure. Uh, so if you go to uh, give, send, go backslash wings for liberty, 
you can find our whole story uh, in a nutshell on that page and you can donate there. All proceeds will go straight to the, uh, the campaign and the, uh, the, the lawyer fees and everything. And like you said, Christine, this is a David and Goliath fight mm-hmm. and we are, we are the David, but you know, we have God on our side and, uh, and we know who wins that fight. And uh, with this law, with this fight against United breaking this EUA law, we know we're going to win. It's just a matter of time. It's, it's a matter, matter of time. And Tom Remfer, thank you for stepping up with um, with these guys and with your experience, because it's an addition for people to know about the history and the fight that you went through for uh, to prevent the anthrax back in the 1990s, because that was a long fight, too. That went from the beginning of Gulf War all the way up to, what is it, 2003 or 2004? 2003-2004 preliminary and permanent injunction against the illegal anthrax vaccine program after the government and the military had been saying for years it's safe, effective, and FDA approved. And the court uh, showed otherwise and uh, told the government and the military they can't treat the troops as guinea pigs. And that's the intersection. EUA was law was created right after. Anthrax vaccine was the very first EUA and it had to be optional. It had to be no penalty. That same precedent should have applied to the United Airlines employees, but nobody decided to open up the history books and learn from history and learn from the mistakes or listen to its citizens because citizens did put forth uh, citizen petitions. Uh, RFK Jr. uh, and Dr. Merrill Nass with Children's Health Defense put in a citizen petition and tried to get the government to follow the EUA law and they were blown off. The government didn't listen and it ended up being a disaster. No different than in 2001, we put in a citizen petition with respect to anthrax vaccine. The government didn't listen and they ended up losing in court. So all we're really asking is in the future, uh, the government should actually follow the laws that have been put on the books to protect American citizens from these very kinds of abuses based on this 100 years of drug product and vaccine regulatory uh, history. Gentlemen, thank you very much. You make our audience smarter with this information. We need people to to wake up and to realize and to focus and help you guys, Tom Anderson, with this case and everything else. So thank you. Thank you very much, Colonel. Thank you, Tom Anderson. Good luck to you guys and the United Plaintiffs on this case. We'll be watching.